Let me ask you a question today. What occupies your mind day by day? As we're going through this crisis, this pandemic, what is it that occupies your thoughts? They did a survey of Americans and the number one thing on everyone's mind is their job. Am I gonna have a job? When can I get back to my job? How can I pay my bills without a job? Um, people have been wondering, when do I get my stimulus check? Some people have gotten that, some people have not. People watch the news you know, eagerly wanting to know, is there going to be a second stimulus check? Uh, they have talked about sending out a second one that will go to all the people who are out there to help keep paying the bills, keep the lights on, keep everything going. Now that our favorite restaurants are beginning to open, uh, the number one question, the pressing, burning question in the heart of all Americans is this, when can I go back to the hair salon and get a dye job? Because most of us are showing our roots. Of course, if you're me, what little hair you have left is all the same color, gray. So there are no roots to show because it's all the same color. But everybody wants to know, when do we, when do we get back to a normal life? Well, here's what I have to say to that. You know, we train our minds to think in a positive way or in a negative way. There's actually a disorder that college students have. It's called ANTS, A-N-T-S. And that means automatic negative thought syndrome. Some people are programmed, it seems, by nature and by their society to see the worst in all things. They see negativity everywhere. If you give them a situation, they won't find the positive, they'll find the negative. If something good is happening, they're going to ask, okay, what's going to go wrong after the good? Some people who suffer with ants, and this is a real disease, this is a real disorder, I know because Dr. Phil said it is, and Dr. Phil's <laughs> never wrong, so... Apparently, people who suffer from this can't find the good in anything. They can't find the positive in any situation. They always find the negative. So my question is this. What does the Bible have to say to help us overcome that negative way of thinking? What does the Bible have to tell us that can help us to be positive people and not let the ants run all over us? I say that because this week we had a little problem at Subway and the ants got in there because the guy who closed up left the cookies out all night. And you leave cookies out in Houston, the ants will find you in a hurry. So they had a, they were like an hour late getting open on Friday because they had to kill off all the ants. But let's take a look at it today. We are looking at life under COVID-19, life under this situation. And so today I want to give you a meditation for the COVID-19 pandemic. It is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 19. Psalms 19. We were in 91 last week. We're in 19 this week. We're going to start in verse 7. So go to Psalm 19, verse 7, and we're going to see what the Bible has to say about life under COVID-19. The first thing I want you to see that it says to us all is this. The word of God renews our lives renews our lives. Take a look at this. Psalm 19, 7. The instruction of the Lord is perfect. Renewing one's life, the testimony of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. Wow. Now that sentence right there, you could spend an hour on just that one sentence, breaking it down, dissecting it, applying it to all of our lives. When it says this, that it renews our life, what does it mean? Well, that word renew is the word to turn back. To turn back. If you go down a negative path in life, if you start down a negative road, you can always stop. You don't have to continue doing the same thing day after day that is leading you in a negative path. 
The definition of insanity, and Doug knows this because he went to college and everything, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting to get a different result. If you are doing something in your life and it doesn't work, don't keep doing it. Stop and change your direction. God's word brings us a renewal of life. It shows us that there is no situation, no point, no age at which we cannot change by going back to the instructions of the Lord. If you go through the book of Psalms, the book of Proverbs, there's much wisdom in there to warn us about negative situations in life or negative paths in life. In fact, the whole book of Proverbs is nothing but, hey, don't do A, but do B because you'll have a better outcome. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. He says the testimony or the words of the Lord are trustworthy. Now, we all know that we've all met people in our lives that we thought were good people. We thought they were nice people until we spent a lot of time with them and found out that they were not honest people. They were not trustworthy people. They were people who would do you wrong just because they could do you wrong. I, I watch uh, the, the soap opera of life among our college students play out every day. And I am constantly amazed that people continue to find ways to mess with each other, to cheat each other, to lie to each other, to just make each other's lives miserable. And I can't understand why that is, except that they're young. Well, this says that the word of the Lord is trustworthy, making the inexperienced wise. If you don't know how to handle a situation, when you're a young mom, it scares the life out of you. It terrifies you when you're a young mom. Can I get an amen from anybody who was a young mother? Uh, there you go. It's exactly it. Where do you find wisdom? Well, don't look at your husband. He doesn't know anything either. Who do you look at? You look to the word of God that shows you how to teach children in the way they should go. In fact, Deuteronomy says, raise your children up in the way they should go. Show them the wisdom of it. Speak about it when you raise up in the morning. Speak about it at the dinner table. When you're taking a family vacation, talk about it. And then that is how children learn things. They learn because you teach them through your life, through your example, and through your words. How we react to COVID-19 will change our children's lives forever. I'm an old man. I've been through a lot of terrible things. See, unlike most of you, I remember the Vietnam War. I remember the things that happened afterwards. I remember Watergate. I remember this country falling apart. I remember 9-11. All the children I work with are born after 9-11. Can you imagine not knowing a world where there's security, not knowing a world where there's safety, not knowing a world where you can sit in the living room with the door open, the screen door latched, and take a nap and feel safe. They don't know that world because they grew up after the towers came down. COVID-19 is their 9-11. COVID-19 will change this generation of kids forever because it will change the world in which they live. It'll change how they play, where they go, how they spend time with their friends. It'll change everything for them. But the one thing that doesn't change is the word of the Lord. Consider this, Proverbs 1, 22 and 23. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will you scoffers delight in your scoffing? And fools hate knowledge. If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. In Proverbs, God speaks through the idea of wisdom, that wisdom instructs, wisdom teaches. But in order for wisdom to teach us anything, we have to be teachable. 
Now, you and I all know people who are not teachable. A dog can be housebroken. A bird can be trained to sit on your finger. Husbands, occasionally, once in a while, can be trained to take out the trash. Although that depends on what's on TV at the moment. And that's just how life is. But you see, God's word is constantly teaching us if we're willing to listen to it. If we're willing to listen to it. But it does more than renew our life. The word of God does this. Psalm 19.8, it radiates strength. A lot of people today are crying out for help. They're crying out for psychiatric care. They're crying out for someone to help them and talk to them and hold their hand because they say, I just don't have the strength to go on anymore. I can't keep going. Well, that's when the Lord comes into play. Look at this, Psalm 19.8. The precepts of the Lord are right. But now notice what they are right in doing, making the heart glad. When we know the teachings of the Lord, they lighten our heart. They enlighten our spirit. Why? Because the teachings of God say he loves you. He cares for you. He accepts you at whatever point in life you are. Wherever you are, whatever you've done, whatever you've gone through, whatever mistakes you've made, however far down the rabbit hole you've gone, Alice, the Lord still loves you. You guys will figure that reference out when you get to high school. It'll be okay. No matter how far down the rabbit hole you've gone, the Lord can still fish you back out. So it says that the precepts of the Lord are right, making the heart glad. The command of the Lord is radiant. It means it glows. It shines. It is a bright light in a dark world. And what is the effect? It makes the eyes light up. It causes internal light. Did y'all watch on the news this week? They had the uh, bioluminescent waters off of California, all that plankton and bacteria that generates its own light. As soon as the waves would hit the shore and they would crash, all these lights would light up across the waves because the bacteria and the plankton were bioluminescent. Well, guess what? You have a bioluminescence that comes from you when you are in the Lord. When you are a believer, when you are reading the word of God, praying the word of God, seeking the face of God, you glow. You are a radiant person. Normally when we say that, oh, you know what? You are radiant. It usually means you're beautiful. People tell me I'm radiant all the time. It don't mean I'm beautiful. It means something shines from me that doesn't shine from anybody else. It means there is a light to me that is not from myself. It is from the Lord. And he puts it there to draw people to me so that I can tell them about him. I'm a wonderful signpost pointing the way to Jesus. I'm like that big sign in, in Lost Wages, Nevada, that you know, the thing waves his hand. That's me. Only I'm waving this way, not this way. I'm pointing people to the Lord. That's why it lights you up. And that's what's amazing to me. Consider Nehemiah 8, 8 through 10, and you'll see what I mean by it radiates strength. They read from the book of the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense of it, meaning they explained it, so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Don't get me wrong. Sometimes God's word hurts. Sometimes God's word stings. Sometimes it convicts us of a wrong attitude, a wrong action, a wrong way of living, a wrong way of behaving. So when we experience the word of God, it can be painful. 
but that is a righteous, that's a holy pain. It's a pain that drives us back to God. It's not a pain that drives us away. God doesn't show us our mistakes to drive us away. He shows us our mistakes by a way of saying, hey, you're messed up, come home. Like the prodigal son, the only place he could go to be safe was home. That was the only place he could go. It was the only place he could be loved and accepted. And sometimes we get out there in the world and we forget that God still loves us. We forget that no matter how long it's been since you read your Bible, no matter how long it's been since you prayed, no matter how long it's been since you've been in the house of God, you are always welcome in that place. Amen? We have to remind people, COVID-19 is just a way of saying, hey, y'all wake up to the deeper issues of life. Wake up to the more important things. Begin to think about what this life is about because right now a lot of wealthy people aren't wealthy anymore. A lot of people who had a lot of money don't have a lot of money anymore. People are losing their houses. They're losing their vehicles. They're losing their businesses at record rates. When you've lost all the earthly things, what do you have left? You have God. You have a God who loves you, who is, as we said last week in Psalm 91, he is that refuge, that strong tower, that place to which we can run and hide and be safe. That's why 91 and 19 go so well together. It says, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat and drink the sweet wine and send portions to anyone who has nothing ready. For this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved for the joy of the Lord is your strength. This was the first Thanksgiving, by the way. Do you all know that? Mark that one down. That's Nehemiah 8 through 10 is the first Thanksgiving. Because they had received the word of the Lord for the first time in their lifetime. Remember, they didn't have Bibles. They didn't have a book of the law at home. It was kept in the temple. And they went to the temple to hear it read, to hear it proclaimed. Nehemiah is here at a time when they've been in Babylon for 70 years. They've been cast away for a whole lifetime. Many of the people who stood there that day had never seen Jerusalem. They had been born in captivity, born in slavery. They had been born in Babylon. Now they were coming home, and for the first time in their lives, they were hearing the word of God, and they were stunned at how many mistakes they were making because they had never been exposed to the word of God. They had never heard the word of God, and that's why they wept. They wept because they saw how far short they had fallen from what God intended for the people of Israel. But Nehemiah and Ezra and all the priests said, no, don't cry. This is a good day. This is a homecoming day. This is a coming back to our God day. Be happy. Be joyful. Because now you can be restored. From this day on, you can be happy. So send food to everyone you know. Send food to people you love. And rejoice because the joy of the Lord is our strength. How do we get through COVID-19? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. I may lose my car. I may lose my boat. I might lose my house. I might lose my business, but I still have my God, and I still have my life, and I can start again tomorrow. Okay, so here we go. Let's keep going. Something else that we get from the word of the Lord is this, Psalm 19.9. We are given a righteous fear. Now, fear normally is a bad thing. Fear normally is the thing that we tend to look against. We don't like fear. We don't like being afraid. We like being scared in horror movies. You know, we, we like being scared when Psycho, when the shower curtain goes back and you hear the ee, ee, ee. We like that stuff. It, it, it gets us going. 
but fear is normally a bad thing. This is the only good fear in the world. Take a look. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are reliable and altogether righteous. The fear of the Lord, underline that. That phrase is used 99 times in the Bible. Think about it. The fear of the Lord is used 99 times in the word of God. Now, if it's said once, it's important. If it's said twice, it's really important. If it says it 99 times, you have to understand what the fear of the Lord is. That is not being afraid of God because he's terrible and mean and wicked and wants to take away all your fun. The fear of the Lord is the respect of God. The respect of the one who made you, the respect of the one who brought you into this world. Yes, your mother always says to you, I brought you into this world and I can take you out. It has a completely different meaning. God is the one who gave us our existence, but he's also the one who gives us our purpose. He's the one who gives us a reason to be. Everybody who's done psychology and done Maslow's Ladder knows that the highest of all things is to find your sense of belonging, your sense of being, your self-actualization. I hate big words. I have to look them up and it's terrible. Okay, here's the thing about that. God gives us our purpose. The reason we live is to have a relationship with him. You know, when we have, when we have kids and they're little bitty babies and we hold them in our hands and we go, ooh and ah, and, and, and you know, then we have to clean them up afterwards. That's wonderful. It's a great, great experience. We love it. Imagine how God feels with us when we pay attention, when we look back, when we call on him, when we listen to him. Nothing cheers a father's heart more than when his child listens to his wisdom and counsel. It just makes him feel like, yes, I have reached the pinnacle of existence and I'm good to go now. That's how dads are. We just want our kids to listen and, and learn from us, learn from our mistakes and learn from our triumphs that God gives us. Now, this phrase right here is most well known in Proverbs 1.7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Every college student should be taught this verse. The fear of the Lord, the respect of God, the reverence of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Once you know that, everything else falls into line. If your ultimate allegiance is to the Lord your God, and if your reverence for him is absolute, everything else in life will work. Your marriage will work. Your, your business will work. Your, your friendships will work because your number one priority is always going to be your relationship with God. If you have that right, everything else works. I've been married almost 27 years now. And the thing that keeps us going after 27 years is, one, she's an amazing woman. Two, I'm a submissive man. And three, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And God tells us to treasure that woman that he gives us because she is a gift. She is a wonderful gift from him. And we are to treasure that. If we treasure the Lord, we treasure the gifts he gives us. Children, my daughter, is that second great gift in my life. If I have those two gifts and my walk with God, everything else can go bye-bye and I don't care. As long as I have my girls and my God. And that's why no matter what happens in this day and age, nothing is going to bring me down. Nothing. Because I have the things God's given me. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now notice, only a fool would despise wisdom and instruction. If God's trying to teach you something, if God's trying to tell you you're off track, if the Lord's trying to show you that your lifestyle's not working, don't be a fool. Listen. 
There's a reason why God says what he says. He says what he says to keep us from hurting ourselves. You know, when I was young, I thought my parents were stupid. I was pretty sure that my mom and dad were the stupidest people to ever come out of Appalachia in the mountains of Kentucky. I'm like, these people don't know anything. Guess what? The older I got, the smarter they got. And I only hope I live long to be as smart as they were. Because they understood something about life that I didn't understand when I was 15 and 16 and 17. Parents are wonderfully brilliant. You know why? They've lived so much longer than you. And everything you're planning on doing, they already did and they already know. So just remember that. Parents don't have eyes in the back of their head. We just have a life of experience. Amen. We already know what you're going to do before you do it. That's why we're waiting there when you get back. That's it. I'll couple that with this next one. Psalm 19.10. God rewards the faithful. He rewards faithfulness. They are more desirable than gold, the teachings of the Lord. They are more than an abundance of pure gold and sweeter than honey, which comes from the honeycomb. In addition, your servant is warned by them and there is great reward in keeping them. Here's the thing. You want to have a wealthy life, which is the right spouse, the right children, the right place, the, the, the right friends. You want all that? Then you have to pursue the word of the Lord. You have to pursue that relationship. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. When they got to the mountain of the Lord in, in what is today Saudi Arabia, the people of Israel said, oof, we made it. We're at the mountain. We, we have water. We have food. We're good to go. Let's party. Just like the people in California. Oh, the beaches are open. Let's go have a giant party and put 10,000 people where there should be 50, and we'll just say it's a good day. Nope. Now the beaches are closed. They can't even go there because the cops are walking all over the place. Why? Because they cast off restraint. They quit listening to those in authority over them and thought that they knew better. As a result, now they've lost the accesses to the beaches. At the hottest time of year, they've lost access to the beaches. If they had listened, if they had been wise, if they had been slow to move, then they would still have what they want. But they couldn't. They, they were not willing to wait. So you see, when you don't know what God's plan is for life, you're going to make all kinds of mistakes and you're going to get carried away and you're going to wind up hurting yourself. There's an old saying, if you can remember Woodstock, 69, then you weren't there. And it's true because nobody that was there was actually there. Even the performers who were there weren't really there because they were all somewhere off in the clouds or acid or whatever they were on that day. Here's the thing about your life. Don't get so caught up in doing what everybody else is doing and what everybody else says they're doing. Pay attention to what God's doing in your life. He gave you gifts. Why? Because he expects you to use them to build up the church. He gives you strength. He gives you hope. He gives you intelligence. Why? Because he expects you to use those for his glory. And when we do, it says there is great reward in keeping the words of the Lord. I mean, they once had the great big discussion between the atheist and, 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 the, and the believer in God. And the atheist said, you know what? There's no God. I'm going to live my life any way I want to. And when I die, it's all over. I won't have to care. And the Christian came back and said, well, guess what? 
If I live my life in accordance to God's word, I will be happy because I will believe there is a life after this and I will believe I'm going to be blessed in that life. And so I will be happy and content in this life. The Christian went on. Now you see, brother atheist, if you are right and I die and never know anything ever again, I don't lose anything because I had a wonderful life. I had a peaceful life. I had a joyful life. I had everything I could have wanted. But you see, if you're wrong and we both wake up on the day of judgment, I have everything and you've lost everything for the rest of eternity. Think about that. Serving God is a win-win situation. There is no downside to serving the Lord. God is not going to cheat you of any great party or any great fun or any great sense of freedom. God says what he says to keep us from destroying ourselves. The prodigal son left home and did whatever he wanted to do and wound up broke in the street eating pig slop. The other son stayed home, but his attitude was bad. Because his attitude was bad, he didn't enjoy any of the blessings of being with the father. So you see, faithfulness is always rewarded by those who seek the Lord at all times in all places. Let's close this one up. Psalm 19.12. When we are paying attention to the word of God, it restores our relationships. Who perceives his unintentional sins? Cleanse me from my hidden faults. Moreover, keep your servant from willful sins. Do not let them rule over me. Then I will be innocent and cleansed from blatant rebellion. David knew a lot about rebellion. David stole his best friend's wife and had him murdered. That's what happened to Uriah the Hittite. He said, take Uriah to the very front of the line, to the walls of the city you are attacking, and when he is there, pull back and let him get killed. Why did he do that? Because he had already made his wife pregnant, and he had to have some way to cover up his sin. So rather than admit what he had done, he killed the man and took the woman. David never knew peace again. The sword never departed from Israel under him. He remained the king. He remained uh, in charge. But he lived with guilt and remorse the rest of his days. And there was no peace in Israel because of him. And you see, that's what happens in life. We can get what we think we want. But in the end, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth the price that we pay in losing that walk with the Lord. It says, cleanse me from my hidden faults. What a wonderful thought. Psalm 51, 6-13. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. This is what God's doing in our lives. This is how he renews his relationship with us. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out my iniquities. Three things here. Listen, create in me a clean heart, O God. So create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Wow. So he wants us to create a clean heart, renew the right spirit and restore that relationship. Maybe you feel sometimes like you've been away from God forever. You feel like you just don't have time. Uh, the weeks go by these days and you haven't read your Bible. You haven't, you haven't stopped to pray. You haven't stopped to look. You know what? Whatever's happened, at least you're not David. You haven't killed your best friend and stolen his wife. That's a good thing. 
But we can always come back and ask for God to create a clean heart. You know, whatever we've been doing or whatever we've been through or whatever we've, whatever mistakes we've made, God can always cleanse us and renew us and restore us. That's the point of all of these verses. The wonderful benefits of giving ourselves to God even in the worst of days. But now notice, how does the psalmist say he will react to God when God creates, renews, and restores? Last verse. Then I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will return to you. David basically says this, God, remake me, restore me, renew me, and out of gratitude to you, I will show other people what you have done in my life, and I will point them to you so that you can do for them what you've already done for me. Somebody once said a Christian giving his testimony is just one, one, one beggar telling another beggar where to get bread. You know, we find the bread of heaven in Jesus Christ and we tell somebody who's starving out there, hey, you, you don't have any hope, you don't have any joy, you, you're worried all the time, look to Jesus and find that joy. Find that one thing that can't be taken from you. The final thing he says is that when you go to the word of the Lord, it redeems the day. Redeems the day. 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's, that's how we walk out of church. We walk out of church just like this. Hebrews 13 says this. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. You want to bless God? You want to praise God? Then sing his praises. Tell people what he's done. Show them that he is God. Don't deny him. Acknowledge him before men. Acknowledge that in the days of COVID-19, there is still a God. There is still a God in heaven that loves, a God in heaven that cleanses, a God in heaven that recreates, that does all these things for us. People need to hear these words today because people are losing hope. And we don't want people to lose hope. We want them to find their hope in the only source that never fails. And that is God himself. Amen.